everyone, and welcome to the Shibari Study Podcast. I'm your host, Bigger Ren, and today I have on Mr. Goat and Madeline. Goat uses he him pronouns, and Madeline uses she her pronouns. They are both based in the Pacific Northwest. They have an ambitious, sensual, and sadistic rope practice that they share together. Their pursuit of rope education has taken them across the U.S., and they recently went to Europe. Yay. I'm excited to talk to you. <laughs> Earlier we were talking, and you said that you have a 60s French pop playlist that you do rope to. Yes, it is one that we definitely have on repeat with some of the greats, like uh, Serge Gainsbourg and... How do you say this guy's name? Uh, Jacques de Tronc. Oh my God. Jacques de Tronc. Yeah. I would have never been able to say it. (laughs) (laughs) What is 60s pop? How do you even find 60s French pop? I don't even, I didn't even know that existed as a thing. I I think I was just looking for creepy things to play while we were doing rope one day. And I remembered uh, the Serge Gainsbourg and Brigitte Bardot, uh, Bonnie and Clyde song. And I played it and it was a big hit. So we just like started <laughs> compiling so 60s French pop music to tie to. Yes. I love it. it. Really became a theme around the uh, around the studio for a long time. <laughs> Still is on occasion. Yeah. Well, I think that it's better than like 2000s industrial metal. That's generally pumped in Rammstein? What is this? Rammstein slander? (laughs) Listen, I'm not slandering. I'm just saying that maybe some variation in dungeons would be nice. I don't need to hear Drowning Pool for the eighth time. Why not just go with the Twin Peaks? The Twin Peaks soundtrack. Oh my gosh. It's pre-made awesome rope music. I mean, I feel like if I tied to that, I would have a nervous breakdown. (laughs) See, raw emotion. So, you two have been tying together for about six years, right? Yeah. How did you meet? Well, a little known website named Tinder. Tinder. Yeah. I've heard about it. <laughs> yes. In the hallows of the evening. It was, yes, it was a dark and horny night. <laughs> um, and uh, I don't know, you, you sent me a message about my rug tattoo and said it really pulled the arm together and (laughs) that is brilliant and it worked (laughs) everyone Uh, take note that's so good no it's actually yeah i mean the big lebowski sort of uh came through for us there yeah and we just actually had a dinner at a big lebowski themed restaurant in Reykjavik, iceland which was weird that was really cute a little full circle moment (laughs) when were you in iceland uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, on our way back from Europe, we spent a month in uh, in France and nearby locales doing rope stuff. We're going to talk about all this, but yeah. <laughs> I'm just curious, what did you do on the first date? Um, so we met at like uh, this kind of like local uh, Cuban restaurant, and I think we got through like. I think he finished an espresso and we forgot to order lunch and just left after the espresso. <laughs> no lunch was had. <laughs> no lunch was had. Um, and then we spent the next six years getting to know each other really well. So. Did you ever have lunch together? Did that ever happen again? Or? No, we still don't. Yeah. No. Oh my yeah, God. We just had lunch together today, actually. No, actually, it was, um, yes, it was a very instantaneous connection. That's like, amazing. I really like when I, he was really cute about it. He like 
set himself at the very back of the restaurant with like his back facing the door. So I couldn't like see him, you know, like his face. And so I had to like go around him and I sat down and like, he just has these like piercing blue eyes. And <laughs> yeah, it was pretty much over immediately. <laughs> You're like, I'm done. I'm done actually. Uh, yeah. I was like, this is good. We're fine. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Did you two both do rope like independently or did you find rope together? Um, I had been doing rope for a couple of years beforehand, but just sort of bedroom stuff. I'd taken a couple rope classes with a local guy named, uh, Noble, mm-hmm. um, who is a wonderful teacher. Uh, but I wasn't really that into it. It took too long to tie and it didn't really make any sense why people would do it to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it wasn't a big thing. Um, and then when I met Madeline, we started playing around with it together, but I think, both of us had our horny ideas about what rope was <laughs> from Tumblr. Yeah. And, uh, and totally. yeah, so we started taking classes together and it all started to, to click for us. We've mm-hmm. mentioned Tinder, Tumblr. I mean, I feel like there's only a couple more things in there we can mention, you know, <laughs> like we win like a bingo card or something for like the rope starter pack. Yeah. It, yeah. So you said that it took too long to tie. What did you mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, so if you come f- from the world of using like leather restraints, got it. Uh, you just you know you buckle them on and put something on a bed, and you're you're good to go. Get down to business. Um, whereas with rope, it's sort of you don't know how to tie knots, you don't know how to properly do things. It takes forever, and the rope is always way too long when you're first starting out. Um, you know, like thirty feet of rope <laughs> is way too much. That is a funny thing. I haven't thought about that. Most people's rope yeah. kicks are way too long in the beginning. <laughs> yeah, I think my first piece of rope was hemp rope from Twisted Monk, and it was like 36 feet long or something ridiculous like that. Yeah. I wonder if that's because people are afraid of running out of rope. Yeah. Well, yeah. you just you figure you need a lot. You don't sort yeah. of. Uh, and then you don't know you're doubling it up. And then when you figure that out, you're like, oh, I need twice as much. So Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know like anything about rope when I met a uh, goat actually like it wasn't like it wasn't even in my like BDSM view of things so it was like totally brand new mm-hmm. um so I I feel like I was I mean I was primarily interested introduced to like the BDSM scene from him like I was familiar with it like conceptually but not necessarily like the whole underworld of yeah. BDSM activities. You were yeah. a private actor. Yes, I was a private actor. Um, but yeah, so I got introduced to it through him. and We started taking classes uh, with Noble here in town. And it was just, um, yeah, I, another one of the like love at first sight kind of feelings. Yeah. Like it was just brand new and different and like, even from the beginning, even though patience was also an issue for me too, um, it still is like it's a striking like experience to have with someone. So, what do you mean patience was an issue for you in the beginning? In what like, way? Almost kind of just like the sitting still waiting for something to happen feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I feel like it has taken. Uh, I don't know, like the reason why you're sitting there doing a thing kind of like, it's something I've had to like learn over and over again. And at first it was like, 
I'm doing this because he likes me and I like him and this is really cute and sexy. And then you kind of um, are like, okay, we're sitting here for 20 minutes tying this thing over and over again. Like, when does the sexy part start? Yeah. Um, And then over time, I feel like I kind of like you find the practice together and then that's like the intimacy part. So just at first, like kind of getting into the groove, like what is rope bondage? Why am I doing this? Like, um, and yeah, just I guess that's kind of how it started. Do you feel like you found the why at this point? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, totally. And like found it multiple like times over and it's always been like something, um, like that's kind of like my big question even when like i'm tied up sometimes like suspended like in pain and doing the suffering i'm like why am i doing this yes i feel that (laughs) i I feel that every time i'm about to tie i'm like why am i doing this this is gonna hurt yeah can you tell me go on sorry oh no, no no what were you gonna say can you tell me about the couple of whys that you had like how has it changed over time um I think that, like, it's a really good question. So it definitely started as, like, a flirtatious curiosity, right? Because, like, here's, like, this new domly man who wants to tie me up. It's very exciting. Um, and then, so like, domly. but then we, like, are learning it together, right? So it's, like, not just the experience of doing it that's, like, bonding or whatever but also learning it together started becoming like um a factor in it yeah and like finding oh my gosh how do i even say this like confronting that why in suspension like every single time and over and over just getting to like deeper levels of truth like who i am when i'm in pain how am i gonna behave under these conditions like am i gonna um like reach out with love or shut into myself and like it just becomes this whole world of like self-exploration so yeah if you feel comfortable answering when you're Mm -hmm. in pain do you Mm -hmm. go inside or do you reach out with like love or or anger or like (laughs) it definitely changes like i think that one of the things i have learned about rope is that it's never what i think it's going to be or like what I think a rope scene should feel like is not ever the reality of what I'm confronted confronted with. And so like each time it's just like an opportunity to observe whatever my reactions are kind of in the moment. So like sometimes if I'm like really troubled or having, have a lot of my mind, I can like get a little internal but generally, I feel like I'm very expressive, which is honestly its own whole other tangent. Like being a very expressive rope bottom in pain is kind of like a, yeah. I don't know, I feel like there's stuff around that. But Yeah, agreed. I like what you said about observing the feelings and saying like, wow, that exists there instead of prescribing it a bunch of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it's like... Um, I don't know. I feel like things get so much harder in an active like suspension if I'm trying to edit or curtail or modify my reactions to fit an idea rather than just like seeing the feelings happening and 
one of the cool things about rope, I think, is that you can kind of play with reactivity is like, am I going to allow myself, allow myself to start being reactive or am I going to try to like, um, I don't know, mental my way out, like through this. So, yeah, I find that I do that as well when I'm in rope and I find that if I can keep the reactions inside, I can last longer in a scene Mm -hmm. because once they Mm -hmm. start coming out then my meter starts to kind of chip down i feel like Mm -hmm. because like once the reactivity starts going it's like the like the animal brain is like okay like here we go we're expressing and then your energy gets like used really fast do you have a mantra that you tell yourself when something's really bad like how do you get through it um i guess it depends on the kind of pain (laughs) it really depends how do you define pain oh my gosh (laughs) (laughs) you know just little the little things just little questions um oh my god there's like so many different kinds of pain in rope and it takes a really long time i think to kind of categorize those things yeah um there's like bone pain, which to me is like an absolute no go. Like if I'm feeling like, well, I'm getting a little better at it. But usually if I feel something that feels really bony, that's like a agony, like can't handle. Yeah. But if it's like a meaty sort of pain, I think that's something that's like easier to kind of process. Um, pinchy. Yeah. Oh, pinchies. That, that shit's just really annoying. I hate pinchy. I know. It's just, but also, I get a little bit of pride when, like, I can see that he's doing something obviously pinchy. And I'm kind of holding my arms like this because the tenchies are the ones that are the <laughs> fucking pinchiest. But when I can kind of be like, yes, yeah. no, I'm not going to let it win. <laughs> yes. Um, but as far as, like, mantras go, oh, no, I guess it just happens in the moment. You know, sometimes, yeah. like, I ask to talk to me or like to tell me what he's doing or like thinking about um because it kind of helps reground and like give purpose to it amazing dad jokes don't help no dad jokes don't really i find that that would make me upset (laughs) i gotta be honest like like, this is no laughing matter (laughs) i thought they were appropriate at any moment (laughs) yeah then madeline's like upside down in a food out She's like, maybe not the funniest, you know? Yeah. So, Mr. Goat, you're pretty sadistic or like, how does that work? I think we started off um, with Noble, who I believe teaches like something inspired by Yukimura, um, caressing style. Mm-hmm. It's very about each moment and putting rope on the body and expressing control. And um, and so that's where we started off. And then... Uh, Shortly after getting through his curriculum, we ended up tying uh, in an intensive with a person named Sfeng, who uh, you were there, as a matter of fact. Um, And their style is amazing. Um, They uh, studied a lot under uh, Tifrith, whose rope style is amazing and performative and uh, very dramatic and uh, dynamic. And that kind of really appeals to us. It's been part of our journey ever since running into Sphinx and then mm-hmm. Fuoko after that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And then somewhere along the way, we started picking up a more uh, sadistic style, like a Semanawa based mm-hmm. um, stuff with, uh, you know, based in what Naka Akira does. Um, and so our rope journey has been pursuing both sides of that thing and then trying to pull them together in as much as, you know, uh, we can to mm-hmm. find new expression and stuff there. Mm-hmm. Have you two always liked to confront pain or has rope been maybe like shown you that you could confront pain or had mm-hmm. that always existed in both of your lives or something like that? Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 Um, I guess. One of, the cool, one of the coolest things that I learned, and it was actually from Sphinx that first weekend, uh, was how to tie the Guatemalan <laughs> uh, shin torture, uh, wrapping. And that really like got to me for the reason I love rope, which is uh, it's really mean. It can be very sadistic. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm a sadist in my other BDSM play. And so that sort of ability to to bring pain into a rope scene and to maintain it and to sort of gently blow on it like a little Mm. fire or something like that and like build it in rope is is been uh something that we've been looking to explore more deeply uh with Mm. our rope all along and also then remove out of our rope those incidental pains that you Mm. don't really intend Mm -hmm. um that's a good point that's that's been the quest to get to get rid of the bad pain and bring in the good pain. Yeah, because yeah, I would say that like pain is probably the, one of the primary pursuits for like in rope um, is like the exploration of pain, and that's like the thing that I like really drew me. I or I guess almost kind of drew my attention away from like stuff like impact and more towards rope because the exploration of pain just seems like there's more to it like there's more to do and it's not as like abrupt so you really have the time to like feel like yeah. actually feel the whole thing settle into settle it. into yeah. it and like fight it out yeah can you two talk about how you structure play how you structure a scene because if you go from zero to 100 really quick it's not good so like do right. you think about that thing or is it something that just happens Oh, that I feel like the way that we uh, come at our rope scenes is like a really big part of it, actually, because there's like, like we were talking a little bit about the education and practice part of rope, and that's a whole wing of it. Uh, and then the other one is play, and so just trying to figure out how to um, come into it, like. What, what we're going to do on with a particular scene. Is it yeah. going to be a labbing scene yeah. or is it going to be, we want to play and connect. Mm-hmm. Um, and usually, you know, anything that starts off labbing definitely ends up con- connecting yeah. uh, somewhere through it because, you know, labbing we're is still, <laughs> yeah, it's very kissy, but also <laughs> labbing is still very tough. Right. Yeah. And yeah. so uh, that kind of suffering and, uh, giving it all for like the practice of a thing is also mm-hmm. a big turn on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. But in terms of how to, how we start our play uh, that's changed a lot over the past year, a mm-hmm. uh, year ago or so we went and uh, spent an intensive weekend with Boshai, 
Uh, who was so wonderful. Um, she was in Montana at the time and uh, she introduced us to a lot of different concepts. Uh, she gave us our first formal introduction to Hashira. We had been tying Hashira before that on our own, trying to figure it out. And then Boshai showed us sort of the traditional approach to it. Mm-hmm. And we're Hashira fanatics. Well, yeah, we're pretty much addicted um, to Hashira. <laughs> yeah, I feel she like also- you're always in one whenever I see Instagram. <laughs> Yeah. Like bears again. <laughs> yeah. but she also introduced us to uh Nicola uh or a a Nicola, I think now Nicholas uh, Yoroy, mm-hmm. uh his um Enzos, which are sort of uh Ishinawa one rope um connection exercises. Mm-hmm. They involve like stretching and body manipulation and sort of like putting rope on in such a way as to get that first uh, big hit of endorphins and it's very smooshy. And Mm. so most of our play scenes will start off doing uh, these sort of these things called the Enzos um, or this one rope uh, play Mm. just to build connection and touch. And it allows me to, um, to feel the rope in my hand and to remember to, you know, lay it down with tension and Mm. uh, evenly and all that stuff. And then for Madeline, it sort of allows me to pull her in and take control and Mm. um, shows her that I'm going to be there and I can be trusted and Mm. followed. Mm -hmm. Um, They're really great. It's a really great way to start a scene. I guess maybe I would say that like when we lab, it is, very actively collaborative and then when we play i feel like the collaboration is still there but it's more in the power exchange roles i think that that would be the big difference it's so funny i just had a podcast we talked about collaboration and a power exchange and how people think that the bottom doesn't have any say but it's not it's a collaboration yeah exactly yeah (laughs) you know yeah acknowledging the roles because there's definitely a a person doing and a person sort of receiving, not mm-hmm. that the bottom isn't also doing, um, but, but in it sort is of like the, the wider following. general yeah. roles, like it really lends itself to that power dynamic, I think. Yeah. And I feel like you, for me, I really learned to love and enjoy rope more when I just accepted it. And like, to me, that really goes along with that kind of like receiving or like submissive headspace, those ideas all kind of come together in like I'm not trying to be in charge of every little feeling that I'm going to experience like whatever it is that is happening I'm just going to like deal with it and trust it and accept it and like just move through it because that's what he's doing and I trust him you know and like yeah so was there some kind of journey where you had to learn to turn that off in your brain because i struggle with that because all day i'm doing stuff and then Mm -hmm. to like get Mm -hmm. into rope and just give into it is pretty difficult for me sometimes it is yeah and i yeah i feel like it is kind of challenging because especially like the first one i think recently we've kind of discovered that our rope sessions go much better if we do multiple suspensions in in it okay instead of doing one because in the first one I can be like a little rusty yeah you know and you gotta gotta warm up a little bit especially to that kind of feeling of like accepting the sensations that are usually like 
anywhere from like mild discomfort to extreme agony. Yeah. Uh, and accepting that full range of sensation does take like a little bit of time yeah. to acclimate. To. And like- also to receive like the, <laughs> like the, um, sounds of discomfort and agony, like yeah. for, uh, goat, I feel like, um, that sometimes that like we both need a warm up in is like him hearing me in pain and me feeling pain. Yeah. Like it's not always easy to accept the first go around. So it's like in cards, you have to burn the first card off the top and then deal yeah. from underneath it. So is that how it works <laughs> in cards? I've never played cards. I don't know. Yeah, I think so. That's okay. Maybe I'm doing it wrong. But. I think that's an old men <laughs> reference. I don't understand. <laughs> this is another one of those kind of dad style jokes that I heard about earlier. <laughs> um, well, I was going to ask Goat, is it hard to hear someone that you love like, be in so much pain in the beginning when you're kind of getting your brain into that like sadistic place, if that makes sense? Yeah, it, it really is. Um, I came from to rope from impact and uh, and impact, it's sort of a very intense sort of immediate, uh, thing and you do a thing and then it, it has a reaction and you're expecting the reaction from that thing. You can anticipate it. Mm. Um, but then when you move to rope, what you get is different each time, yeah. um, depending on what mood Madeline is in or like what our days look like or where we are in our headspace. And so it's it's a little more unpredictable what's going to come out the other side, um, and it's also it's more it feels more real um, mm-hmm. in in those moments. Yeah. And what? Yeah. It it takes and it's it's something we've been working on for years. Really, mm-hmm. uh, it takes a, me- a measure of trust to let her sort of make real authentic sounds and have real authentic reactions, which can include mm-hmm. like fighting and, mm-hmm. uh, and sobbing and crying in a very real way. And mm-hmm. to be like, that's her space. Mm-hmm. She'll let me know if something needs changed or if, if this is not right, but I'm not going to step in there and stop the rope or whatever, mm-hmm. unless she tells me to. And so yeah. I've had to learn how to trust those reactions as what she wants out of this rope scene. Yeah. And it's trusting. And we, we were just talking about this kind of recently, but it's like you trusting your own rope application as yeah. much as you are trusting me in it. Yeah. Um, and like, yeah. Being like, okay, if there is something wrong, we will figure it out. And like, yeah, not like not flinch at the first sign of like, yeah. Discomfort. Yeah. And you'll say when something's wrong too. Yeah, exactly. And we use like very plain language when we're in rope. Like there's not really a lot of like role play or I don't know, magic words. It's pretty much just like, okay, this sucks. Like let's move on to something else or, you know, please, it's killing me. (laughs) (laughs) I can't feel my foot anymore. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's 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 a big trust thing to mm-hmm. to get there, and every time it it occurs, then it I have to I have to work up to it, mm-hmm. and so that's usually where we're burning that top card of mm-hmm. whatever we do on the first time we do we do rope, and mm-hmm. sort of like get me to a place where like I'm remembering how to trust and mm-hmm. and and follow Madeline where she's going. Mm-hmm. What a you said so many great things. I'm going to steal burn the top card in life. That's not a part of my <laughs> vernacular. 
I'll credit you two, right. but I'm saying it for the rest of my life now. <laughs> also, it's really cool to hear a top say that you need to get to the place where you can trust Madeline to where, not trust Madeline, but trust, I guess, yourself, like recalibrate yourself to where this is okay. And we're just mm-hmm. need to like warm up and get through it. That's really, really cool yeah. to hear. Yeah. I, you know, you talk to people around, like every time you go to an intensive where you're sharing space with other people at like a workshop, you just see like so many different reactions to rope. Um, and it's really easy to put yourself in a place where like, oh, my rope doesn't look exactly like that rope or like my bottom's reaction doesn't look like other people's reactions and to like get really self-conscious and you really have to like be you have to trust yourself and you have to trust the partnership you have Mm -hmm. um and the communication and um i feel like once we found our way there we started getting a lot more out of uh workshops Mm. out of private uh lessons and not being so comparative with the people around us Mm. yeah it's hard yeah it's really hard oh yeah you two were just in Europe. Yeah. Yes, we were. That was awesome. That was, that was crazy. <laughs> was it your yeah, first it was... time in Europe? It was mine, yeah. And uh, I think it was his second time, but it was a long yeah. time ago. That's amazing. That was my first time in 20 years. Oh. Madeline's first, first time. time yeah, we got a, uh, we saw uh, Ropanawa and Freya held him had done a Hashira intensive at Cornium B Love it. in Belgium Love it. and like on brand it sold out. It sold out instantly. And we were mm. like, man, this, that looks so cool. Cause mm. Ropanawa and Freya are like our Hashira. They're oh, our Hashiros. Our Hashiros. Yeah. <laughs> God, I love that phrase. I'm getting so many <laughs> phrases from this podcast. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Hashira. So their, their creativity and everything they do with, uh, with Hashira and just tying in general has so been really good. awesome to see from afar. Uh, Rapanawa shares the sort of interest in Tifra throw mm-hmm. um, there, you know, uh, the minimalism of uh, Nicola Yoroi. Uh, we, there, there's a lot in common. And so, yeah, we just happened to see that uh, we got a message from, uh, well, we happened to see that Cornium was going to redo the Hashira uh, intensive in in uh, June. And I was like, well, fuck it. I'm going to buy the tickets and we'll try to figure it out. Amazing. Um, so we, we got tickets to that intensive. It sold out really fast as well. Um, and then we just planned our trip. Um, That's so cool. And, yeah. yeah. And while we were there, uh, space happened to open up in uh, Ropanawa's studio in Basel, Switzerland. They were doing a floating Hashira uh, intensive. And at the last minute, we were already in, in France and uh, space opened up. So we like got in touch with, with Ropanawa and like, can we come? And he, he let us come. And So cool. Uh, yeah. And so we were able wow. to do that. Yeah, we it was really cool. We got to like stay in his studio overnight, yeah. really close to us there, and it was so cool. Like meeting all of the uh, the Swiss rope people. Everyone was like really, really fun. The yeah. workshop was like so, just such a blast. It was really, yeah. really cool. Yeah, it's a really great yeah. rope community there. How different is the Swiss community from the American community? Like, are there any um, notable differences? I don't. 
I don't think it was as like we did a rope jam there on Friday night before the intensive, which was cool because we just got to share space with everybody and tie in a rope jam. And I guess the one thing we always see in rope spaces here in the U.S. is once it's time to tie, ten, things tend to get kind of loud. And mm-hmm. I think Madeline and I both kind of like noise sensitive. Mm-hmm. If you know, it's one of the bad things about going to int- the workshops is the instruction finishes, then everybody's talking and like it gets so loud, it escalates mm-hmm. so quickly. Yeah, and that you know, Madeline started wearing her like uh, <laughs> her AirPods, AirPods. on like noise canceling, just to <laughs> sort of like. And so I think that was one thing we noticed in, during our time in Europe is it didn't tend to get so loud there. Yeah. Um, there, there tended to be a sort of like staying within your tying experience and not getting overly loud, which was really nice. Yeah. So. Wow. Yeah. I am. Um, how do you say? I don't really know. I've, I don't know if I spent enough time with everybody to like see considerable differences, but it was really cool. Um, do like, the, the fact that they have like a floating cashier workshop at all is really cool. Like yeah. there's not really a whole lot of instruction uh, like that near to where we are. Yeah. So it, that was just, I don't know. It was just such a really cool to do. Trip. So it was yeah. a piece of bamboo hanging and then tying to uh-huh. that bamboo essentially. Wow. Yeah. 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 So the concepts of tying to Shira and sort of, um, I guess, magnetizing the bottom to the column. Uh, but sort but of this on a floating, floating piece, you know, a yeah. non-secured piece, yeah. which, yeah, so it was really cool. It was our second time in seeing, like, being taught those concepts. And then the third mm-hmm. time was at the next weekend intensive for my brain, like seeing things three times is really what I need. So yeah. it was really helpful. Have you two been doing the floating Hashira or the, like, stationary Hashira more? Like, which one's your, your favorite? Mm, um i think there's not enough time in the day (laughs) more more (laughs) more to do really to know but i would say i really the floating hashira is fun and sexy and to me it's like um maybe a little more performance type stuff leaning like it it looks interesting to see it you know and um it's like dramatic so i think that that to me is something that would be fun for like public rope and that kind of thing whereas like uh stationary hashira uh at least in what we've done so far has felt uh, a little bit more of serious like it's not as like fun and swooshy it's just it's like very serious contemplative thing so well one and with a floating hashira like as far as a performance, it turns so you can see what's going on around the back. That makes sense. You don't, with Hashira, you're just like locked to a column that doesn't move. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is very serious. And yeah. it, the object is to take away every last bit of motion out yeah. of your out of your partner and make them into a, a column, which is awesome. It is. <laughs> uh, but with the floating part, like you can you can see the different pieces. And I think that's really cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like regular hashira it feels so intense emotionally to me because you're being like tied to a to a pole it's just like it's so so intense yeah madeline i'd love to talk about art with you because you've been posting a ton of stuff you've been doing commissions um can you tell me like you're a painter right 
Yeah, so I primarily work with acrylics right now. Um, and this coming fall, I'm actually going to be starting a four-year art program in Seattle, which I'm really excited about. Cool. Um, yeah, so hopefully I'm about to get a lot better. <laughs> but yeah, I've been doing commissions since like uh, December of 2021. When I look at your paintings, I'm like, these are great. These are done. Like you figured it out. You've done it. So what are you like? What are you, what do you want from a four year art program? Like what? Like, how do you grow? That, oh, my gosh. That is I appreciate that. And you could not be more wrong. <laughs> my, my stuff is not done. Um, I feel like what I, areas. Yeah. What like areas you want to grow in or whatever. Yeah. Oh, all of it. I I feel like I have a lot of expression available to me, but that my technical skills are majorly lacking. Mm. So, like, I mean, even just going down to, like, how to represent a human figure accurately, I think that, like, uh, with my art, one thing that continuously frustrates me is that I feel like I'm drawing cartoons. Because, like, my grasp of the thing is not like there's not enough enough knowledge of it so the program that i'm doing uh is modeled after like the renaissance workshop uh type learning so it's called a classical atelier and basically the whole first year is just drawing primarily from live models and doing like three week long portraits and you know just for a whole year and then it goes on to monochromatic painting and then full scale painting. So what things do you like to paint? Like what things do you mm. like to make? Um, well, not to be on the nose, but I do really like painting bondage. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I feel like my art has always been really heavily figurative. Um, and I also like to paint the naked ladies. Um, <laughs> You're just a pervert. So, I know. Yeah, I really it's am. True. It's so true. What can it's I say? True. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I think I'm really interested in, um, oh, man, I just, I really love old, uh, like, rope illustrations. And, like, rope art is so beautiful and bizarre and cool. Like, uh, so I'm really inspired by that a lot, yeah. honestly. One of my favorite paintings she did is this uh, godly woman sitting on top of a, a volcano. Oh, uh, mountain lady? Yeah, I, I took it to my office. It's on my wall Aww. at work. I, I love it so much. It's um, so cute. It's yeah. really nice. Uh, it's really adorable. One of, the, uh, <laughs> one of the things that really I really come to sort of recognize and see I, I read something by red sabbath um who who is a wonderful bottom uh she's partners with uh ricardo wildties um and she has a blog i think it's on kimbaku today but she wrote something about the three the three parts of any uh any rope scene mm. which is the person tying and the person being tied and the observer mm -hmm. um and so I think, you know, th that observer position is like really what a lot of the old Japanese bondage art is about. The stuff on that Madeline was just talking about on Nawapedia, 
Um, those images are really like from the observer's point of view. And I think recently for a while, we, we stopped taking pictures of our rope mm-hmm. because we just wanted to be in the rope scene and connected to each other um, and not care about what other people thought about our rope. And it, in those moments, we, we started to sort of maybe drift a little bit ap- apart from like doing rope well um, and and caring so much about the way the rope was on the body. And for me, it led to making some mistakes because I was sort of more focused on the on the rope scene that we were doing. And um, I recently stepped back and started uh, caring and taking pictures again. But uh, inhabiting that uh, observer role has really made our rope move forward and like caring about like the crispness of the lines. Cause that translates directly to the experience mm. that Madeline is having. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I think that's a huge part of where our rope is going mm. recently and, and today. And the coolest part is we shoot most of our rope pictures now on Polaroids. And so if you want to see our rope, a lot of our rope pictures, you have to come to our house ha, and ha, look ha. at our rope. You have to be our friends. Yeah, we have at, to hang out. <laughs> and you have to you have to look at our book of Polaroid pictures. Yes. <laughs> wow. Are you ever gonna put any of those on Instagram or anything? No. Nope. No. Nope. Nope. <laughs> any anybody who comes over for a jam or whatever, we ask mm. if we can take pictures. And the the bargain is that they'll never leave our house. And yeah. anybody who, like, if people come into the house, they can look at the book, but that's yeah. the only place it goes. Which we were inspired by Boshai, by yeah, the way. Yeah, Boshai, Boshai, Boshai had a similar book. Yeah. And we were like, that's a really great idea. But there's nothing sexier than the sound a Polaroid makes. <laughs> yeah. You know? And it, it feels so, like, I don't know, old man sort yeah, of like creepy. creepy. Yeah. You find a shoebox in somebody's like closet filled with Polaroids and be like, oh my God. Oh my gosh. What is wrong a, with these people? This person's a freak. <laughs> there is something special about that. That's one of the yeah. coolest ways to describe the camera and rope because the topic of the camera and social mm-hmm. media comes up all the time. Yeah. I love thinking about it as the observer because you're right. The observer is such a big part. Yeah. Yeah. And like being observed, you know, and to what degree, like, I think the feeling of like goat watching me is viscerally different than goat watching me through a camera lens, which is completely different than like, you know, my close friends watching me, which is completely different than like tying in public or like doing a performance, like all those levels of of observation are like really different in the experience. So, yeah. And my, my, deepest kink is is definitely voyeurism and Mm -hmm. like being the observer even if i don't have a camera but like stepping back to just watch and like look for ways that i can make the scene more pervy Mm -hmm. to appeal to like my visual sense of what i think is sexy um like remembering that has really brought our rope Mm -hmm. uh forward Mm -hmm. you've done a great job via instagram you know i think you've done a (laughs) a real good job doing the lord's work (laughs) <laughs> so you do shoot outside like um and rope yeah. bomb things right yeah we have a hard point in our backyard oh, cool. um on our back porch that mm-hmm. we uh that we shoot on and then we go out and rope bomb as well um that's we, awesome we found we some really good locations there's a lot of good locations here in portland we have a place called the ufo yeah, it's at a, a it's spot. at a nude beach but like you see a lot of uh people shooting there because it's a very cool 
uh, it looks like a UFO. Yeah. It's wow. really a, an old crashed uh, experimental boat. Wow. <laughs> That's so cool. Well, what do you two have coming up? What are you excited um, about? Anything on the horizon? Well, Ooh, when, we, yeah. when we were in Europe earlier, we studied with uh, a guy named Eric Shore. Eric Shore is such an awesome person. He teaches under Kimbaku Luxuria. Um, and he's just an awesome guy. So uh, we're going back to we're going to Italy in September, uh, and we're going to uh, spend a weekend in private instruction with uh, Andrea Kuragami wow. and uh, his uh, partner Shiawaze. We're really looking forward to that time. Um, oh yeah, it's going to be amazing. And hopefully, at some point, we can also find a way to get in touch with Tifrith and get uh, private instructions from Tifrith. That'd be amazing. Yeah, on our wish list. Yes, for sure. I feel like that's on most wish lists. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, I think that we are trying to get an official Goat Manor website launched yeah. in the yeah. near future. So that's something to look out for. I love that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, right now, where can people find you? Uh, on Instagram, mm-hmm. uh, we have a, our Goat Manor account, mm-hmm. uh, Goat underscore Manor. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have a Goat Manor on FetLife. And our individual accounts are, are both linked to those sort of public-facing ones. Mm-hmm. So. Amazing. And, you know, mm-hmm. everyone, DM Goat Manor to see those Polaroids. <laughs> you got to come to the house. We well, we've do. we been yeah. doing rope jams on, on Sundays. We're going to add a Saturday rope jam Sweet. in. Um, and so that would be an opportunity to come see some Polaroids yeah. and do some rope. <laughs> well, I want to thank you both for being on. Yeah, hope to run into you too soon. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah.